chapter number 21. Lord sure has been good to us. I meant to mention, I think we drove maybe 1,300 miles or something this week, and uh, the Lord just really helped us with the weather and with the miles, and thank the Lord for it. John chapter number 21, no place like home though, no place like home. I ended up getting to preach down there on Wednesday night. I preached at the Sunrise Baptist Church. We just went to go to church we, so along the way, and so we stopped, and uh, Brother Cox said, I want you to preach for us tonight. And, uh, I said, well, brother, I've got a polo on. I didn't come to preach. I come to listen. I ain't never in my life preached in a polo, and I preached without a tie on. He said, you reckon the Lord would mind? I said, well, probably not. Probably not. And uh, so, boy, I tell you, we had a service. I'm telling you, it got on. And uh, them people preaching death, they was running laps. And I was preaching, and we got done, got out in the uh, car, and, and Reagan said, now, Dad, don't think that that's your, your green light to pre- preach in a polo. God just, the Lord just overlooked that because you didn't have no tie. He overlooked that. Don't, get, don't think that means you preach in a polo every Sunday and, Things go that good, but man, it was great. All right, John chapter number 21, and we want to read verses 1 through 5 this morning. Try to, try to be obedient to the Lord and, and uh, just hear from heaven. I come to hear from heaven today, didn't you? And I uh, was praying yesterday's busy week. And didn't get to get in a study like I normally do. I was praying yesterday, coming down the road about what I'd have to preach. And uh, the Lord just direct my heart to these verses. Uh, verse number one, the Bible said, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed himself. And there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and uh, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto, the, unto, him, unto them, I go fishing. And they said unto him, we go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. And when the morning was, come, was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. Let's pray together. Father, we ask the Lord in Jesus' name. Should help us to preach this morning. God, I pray that you'd take our minds off the things of the world and put our mind on you. Our desire today is to see you uplifted, honored, and glorified. I pray, God, that you'd help us to uh, see those things tonight, today. I pray that you'd touch hearts. Lord, if there'd be a lost person here, would you save them today? And God, convict their hearts. Lord, lead them to an altar of repentance. Lord, those that are saved but backslidden, God, would you move them closer? Uh, Lord, just help us to be obedient this morning. Don't let me say anything you wouldn't have for me to say. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to look here in John chapter number 21 this morning for just a few moments. Of course, uh, this is after the resurrection of the Lord. Uh, the, the Lord, when he was resurrected, of course, he appeared there at the tomb uh, to Mary. And then we know that in this chapter, and you study the Word of God, uh, you'll find that he appeared to them in the upper room that same day, the same day of the resurrection. He appeared to them in the upper room there in the, behind the locked door. And then after that, uh, eight days later, 
He appeared to them with Thomas present again in the upper room behind the locked door. And uh, so this is now the third time that the Lord has appeared uh, to the disciples. Now let me say this. These disciples had just gone through what would have been the most emotionally taxing time that anybody could ever think of. I mean, you talk about a roller coaster. They went from the lowest of lows, seeing the Lord die at Calvary, to the highest of highs. And now, though, um, it's pretty evident that things have changed. And you see, the Lord before was with them everywhere they went. Uh, they didn't go anywhere without the, out the Lord. But now, He's coming and going. He's appearing and then disappearing. And it's also obvious now that the Lord has a glorified body. He's living in a different state. He's walking through walls and doing things that before he was not doing. And so uh, things are different. Things are beginning to change. Now, the disciples go out there to see a Tiberius, and they're waiting there, and they want to meet with the Lord there. But uh, whatever happens, I don't know. There's, you read after 100 different theologians, you get 100 different ideas. But something, uh, they got tired of waiting or whatever the case may be and and Peter said well I believe I'll go fishing and them other boys said well uh, we're going to go with you and so they strike out into the sea and uh, they fish all night and they catch nothing. Now I don't know how many of them has ever been on a fishing trip where you didn't catch anything uh, but I have and I'm telling you that is zero fun. Amen. Uh, there's nothing that's any less fun uh, than going on a fishing trip uh, and not catching anything. Uh, I remember one time me and Travis Bagwell and some other, others, uh, Travis had a boat. He always had the nicest things. And he had a boat and we went down to Lake James. We stayed out on the lake all night long catfishing. We didn't have any idea what we was doing. Uh, we didn't know where to throw the hooks. Uh, had some old bloody chicken livers and uh, we'd just throw them in wherever and try to catch a catfish. We fished all night and we didn't catch anything uh, and couldn't sleep and the boat was rocking and we was high on Mountain Dew man couldn't sleep and uh, it started getting daylight and we said head on back to the dock and we got back to the dock I reckon where that boat had been rocking I set my feet on the solid ground and it felt like the whole world was doing this I said whoa hang on a minute boy I got throwing up and I said I'll never go on an all night fishing trip again we caught nothing. One time my daddy took us all deep sea fishing. It had been a big storm the night before. And uh, we got out there and son, I'm telling you, you'd look, at the, you'd look at the ocean and then you'd look at the sky and you'd look at the ocean and then you'd look at the sky. Everybody got to throwing up and it wasn't long I joined them. Amen. And uh, see, when you start throwing up on a chartered cruise uh, like that, they make you go inside with everybody else that's throwing up. Well, that's a great idea. Hey, hey, if you, if you got a weak stomach, hang on. There was uh, puke buckets sliding all over inside of there, and I'm already green with sickness. Uh, I said, I'll never get to where I can't see land again. Uh, I'm a land lover, amen. We didn't catch nothing. Well, these folks ate fished all night. They caught nothing. And when the Lord calls to them from the shore, he said, children... Have you any meat, boy? Hear their reply, no. They didn't say, no, we didn't catch anything, but we sure had a good time. No, no. I want us to think about that word, no. That was the simple answer that simply pointed to their lacking. 
They had uh, nothing. They were lacking. They'd fished all night, but they had failed to catch anything. I wonder this morning, Brother Allen, about our spiritual condition. And I wonder if, uh, if we had to be honest this morning, how many of us right here on a Sunday morning at the Concord Baptist Church, if you, if you dropped your act, how many of us are lacking spiritually? I wonder how many of us this morning, if the Lord said, have you any meat? Have you any fruit? The reply would have to come back from our lives, no. We have nothing to show. We've got no, uh, we've got no spiritual fruit. We've got, we've got no, uh, uh, spiritual gain in our life. I wonder how many of us today, really, if you drop the act, are lacking. Now, we're all good at playing church. Everybody in here. Pulled in the parking lot, plumb sideways with your wife, threatening, cussing, jumping up and down. Throw the door open. Amen, preacher. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You've been in it all week. You come into church. They go to singing them songs. You're looking around. Everybody else is raising their hand. Well, I'll raise my hand, bless God. But you know down deep in your heart something's wrong. That's what I'm preaching to this morning. You know what we've got to do? We've got to live in this world, in the, in, the, in the down and dirty where we're at. And church is a hospital. That's what church is about. It's not a mausoleum. It's not a uh, you know, place to come in. But it's a place that we should run to to get help spiritually. And when you need help spiritually, there's no better place to get it than right here at the house of God. I'm just going to give you three simple things. I don't know how long I'll preach, but there's three real simple things that I want to talk to you about, about this lack, about their answer of no. Number one, they were lacking in the area of relationship, or can I put it this way? They had no relationship. Now, they were positionally unchanged. In other words, the Lord said, children, look at that word, children. From the Lord's vantage point, nothing had changed. I'm glad to report to you, and, and I can prove it to you in the Scripture again and again and again. I don't care what happens, positionally speaking. I'm saved by the grace of God, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. As far as, as, far as God is concerned, that never changes. Jesus said, children... But you see, on their end, Brother Marvin, they couldn't even recognize the Lord. Isn't it strange how quickly we get away from God? Anybody else with me? I mean, you can be doing pretty good and just allow to, just a couple little things slip, and then the first thing you know, you're way away from the Lord. How quickly these men had gotten away from God. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. Some of you are going to wish I was back in Hyde County this morning. Uh, but I'm going to be real honest with you. There's some of you that you don't now, nor have you ever had a relationship with the Lord. You ought to quit playing is what you ought to do. You've never had a desire for the things of God. There's never been in a time in your life where you ever desired after God or His things. God has never been first in your life. You've never felt 
felt like you've had a relationship with the Lord, quit playing games. You are not saved. You are not saved. At least quit lying to yourself. If there's no desire in your heart for the things of God, you're lost. That's just, that's just the, you say preacher, that's not very nice to say. That's just what the Bible says. And the best thing that you could ever hear is the truth of this book. If you don't have it, if you've never had a desire for the things of God, you've never been saved. I don't care what mama told you. I don't care what the preacher told you. If you've never had a desire for the things of God, you've never been saved. But then there are some of you in this building this morning. You've been saved. At one time, you were hot and on fire for God and had a, a burning desire for the things of God. But over time, uh, your love has run cold and your desire uh, has run cold and you're like these disciples. You've gotten away from God. You probably didn't even mean to. It happened over time. And you're sitting here this morning and that's the condition you're in. Quit playing games. Uh, quit making like everything's all right when everything ain't all right. Uh, I'm here to tell you it's time that we own up our own spiritual condition and quit blaming it on everybody else coming up and down the road and say we are not where we need to be with God. But the good news is regardless of which one of those situations you're in, you're in the right place to fix it. If you're here today and you're lost and on your way to hell, I got good news for you. Jesus saves sinners every single day. Can I just pause right there and deal with that? There ain't nothing like being saved. It's such a freedom of life. I can remember being lost and under the condemnation of sin. I didn't feel right about anything. Every day I felt unsettled. But I can remember the day that I got saved and all that weight came off my back. Brother Neil, I've not always been perfect. A lot of times I've been exactly where these disciples are, a guilty distance away from the Lord. But since that day, you know what the blessing was? Uh, since that day, the Lord has always showed up in my life and said, child, children, amen. Because uh, I've been a part of the family of God and it's never been the same since, hallelujah. I'm glad today that the Lord offers peace through the forgiveness of salvation. And if you're here, here today and lost, you can be saved. You're in the right place. Amen. Would you trade salvation for anything? Million dollars? Ten million dollars? Couldn't be bought, could it? Couldn't be bought. Anybody in here that's truly saved this morning can tell you it's the greatest thing that ever happened to them. Greatest, th greatest thing that ever happened. But then when you get saved, immediately your flesh begins to revolt. I was preaching on, on the radio this morning. See, when I got saved, there's a man on the inside of me that got saved. This, what you see, still lost his goose. And it still wants to do every ungodly thing. All them works the flesh. And so there was a war that started. My flesh began to revolt and say, I don't want to do the things of God. I don't want to follow after the things of God. And sometimes my flesh wins. And I end up out there with no relationship. No relationship. So I'm trying to think of a way to bring this home to you. Now, 
Let me put it to you like this. At one time, Jonathan England was the clo- my closest friend. I talked to him a lot every day. If I went out somewhere, Jonathan went with me. We were always together. But over time, Jonathan has took churches to pasture and moved farther away. It's not that we have a bad relationship. It's just that we're not close like we were because distance has separated us. We still talk. Matter of fact, I'm going to preach for him in October. I still talk to him. We still, we still have a great relationship, but it's not like it was. I wonder how many of you would say that same thing about the Lord. At one time, the Lord was everything to you. You were constantly near Him. You were constantly seeking Him. That relationship was hot and on fire. But something's just not like it was. See, that was the case for these disciples. It took them just a few minutes and they decided, hey, it's time for us to go fishing now. Think about this. They they became more interested in their selves than in the Lord. And they became reattached to their old lives. These men were fishermen. You know, it's real easy and pretty much natural for us to go back to our old way of doing things. And that's exactly what they did. For some of you, your fire has grown cold. The voice of the Lord has become silent. And you begin to slip back into your old life and doing things your old way. Some of you would be awfully embarrassed if we knew what was going on in your life. But you shouldn't worry about us knowing it. You ought to worry about Him knowing it. What's wrong with your relationship today? You're a guilty distance and you know it. They had no relationship. Then let me give you this. They had no remorse. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, they spent that whole night. And they're out there and they're casting and they're casting and they're casting. They don't seem to care. They don't seem to care that they're in a place where God does not want them to be. And I'm telling you, I run into people like that all the time. Maybe it was, Brother Billy, that they said to themselves, what I'm doing isn't all that bad. Sinning in itself, or fishing in itself is not a sin, right? Going fishing is not a sin. But going fishing when the Lord is not in it, that's a sin. So they were in a place where they didn't need to be, but it seemed like they wasn't doing anything all that bad. And that's what some of y'all telling yourself. I've told myself that. Hey, hey. I've gotten out in sin and told myself, well, I, I ain't, I, well, this ain't that bad. Overall, I'm a good person. <laughs> Overall, things are pretty good. I got this little thing, but it ain't that bad. And the Lord going, that, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Then that might have been the excuse, well, everybody else is doing it. When Peter finally popped up and said, I'm going fishing, boy, it didn't take long And the rest of that crowd said, we're going to. And then you start getting crowd mentality and everybody starts feeling good about what they're doing because everybody else is doing it. I'm telling you, uh, there's a lot of you this morning, you think it ain't that bad because you're comparing yourself with somebody else's backslid. You never, when when you start playing that comparison game, you never compare yourself with somebody doing better. 
said, well, I ain't that bad. You know, what I'm doing ain't that bad. Look what Gabe's doing. <laughs> He's just like me. Oh, look, I know what Billy, oh, me and Billy, we're doing it together. He's doing it and I'm doing it. And it's okay if Billy's doing it and I'm doing it. Let me tell you, I don't care if everybody in here is doing it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, God has some standards that he set forth in that Bible. And he expects God's people to keep them. Hallelujah, I'm preaching right. I'm telling you, it don't matter if everybody's doing it. It doesn't make it right for you to do it. Well, make it right for you to do it. But you seemingly had no remorse. I'm telling you, we're living in this time, Brother Billy, where ain't nobody sorry for nothing. That's true. Ain't nobody sorry for nothing. I was talking to a young man yesterday that's coming down the road, and he sent me a message. Listen to us on the podcast. He sent me a message, and he said, I'm backslidden. I need to talk to somebody, and you're the only one I can think of. And I, he said, would you care to call me? And I called him. We rode down the road. I talked to him. Lives up in Virginia. Never had met him in his life. Nice young man. And he's telling me about life and had got out of the will of God and had backslid on God and had got out of church. And I'm going to tell you something. You listen to what I'm telling you. Young man's going to get things straightened out. You know why? Because he wasn't blaming everybody else. He said, I want you to know something right up front. This ain't my pastor's fault. This ain't the deacon's fault. This ain't nobody I go to church with. It's my fault. I want you to understand, preacher, I know that this is all my fault. And I, th- I told him, I said, that right there is refreshing. Because you wouldn't believe how many people I talk to that are out of the will of God, but they've got the person down the pew for it, blame for it. They got the preacher blame for it. They got some YouTube video blame for it. They got their mom and daddy blame for it. Hey, they can never take any blame themselves and say, it's me, oh Lord. I messed up. I'm in a mess. They they can't ever take the blame for it. You hear what I'm preaching? I, I'm telling you, we live in a society that the default setting is to blame everybody else. But it's nobody's stinking problem but yours. It's your problem. If you're away from God, it ain't, nobody, ain't nobody's problem but yours. You say, oh, now, preacher, you don't understand what happened to me. I got church hurt. That's our latest little vernacular thing. You know, that's the thing about church hurt. Yeah, me too. They've been people, church hurt me. Come on now, don't die out on me. I got my feelings hurt, church. <laughs> you know what I did? I got over it. Because you, know you, know you know what that is? That's being an adult. I got my feelings hurt at work. You know what I did? I got over it. You know why? Because that's called being an adult. I've got my feelings hurt at Walmart. <laughs> you know what I've done? I got over it. You know what that is? That's being an adult. An adult don't drag around and pout and put his lip out about that far and cry all the time. They suck it up and get over it. Hey, hey, hey. I was pulling in Ingalls the other day, and one of them numb skulls from, I won't say where they're from. Anyway, they's in front of me, and they bowed up because they wanted to turn left. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just keep on going. You're blocking the intersection. That, hey, you're blocking there. You're going to get somebody killed blocking the intersection. Bow up as soon as you turn in angles because you want your special parking place. Go on. And I'm blowing the horn saying, go on. Go on. Because I was sitting in the middle of the road. I got out of the car and I told the youngins, I said, I'm fixing to load his wagon. I'm going to tell him how to drive. I'm fixing to tell him how to drive. He's getting out of his car, this little poodle. I said, watch this. The youngest said, no, Daddy, no, Lord, no, Daddy. You're so embarrassing. You're so embarrassing. 
I was mad I had my feelings hurt. I got over it. I got over it before I got to him, thank God. <laughs> He's looking at me and I went, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. got me killed. See what I'm saying? Get over it. Hallelujah. But everybody, you know, these days is the victim. Am I right? Am I telling you right? Everybody's victim. What if I told you that your relationship with God is your responsibility? Nobody else, nobody else gets to decide what kind of relationship you have with the Lord but you. So if you're, if you're away from the Lord, quit blaming it on everybody else and start looking in the mirror because that's, exactly that's exactly where it's at this morning. It's your own fault. If I'm away from the Lord, it's my own fault. So, number one, it's no relationship. Number two, they had no remorse. Number three, they had no results. You know what these fellows was? Professional fishermen. If anybody should have known how to catch fish, it was these seven men. And they launched out, Brother Marvin. They went through the motions. They did what they knew to do. They threw the nets. They threw them in the places to catch fish. They, they wasn't like me and Travis. We didn't have no idea what we was doing. They knew what they was doing. They folded the nets in the right place. They was going about through the motions. They'd done it a thousand times. They no doubt had cast it off both sides of the boat all night. Nothing. You know what happens when you get away from God, don't you? You can go through the motions. You can try all you want. You can do it the way you know it's supposed to be done. Flat. Flat. Hey, I've lived it. I've walked in them back doors. Oh, I've got a message. I can outline. I've been doing this 25 years. I can put together an alliterated outline, doctrinally correct, with or without God. That's truth. That's truth. Get up, preach through that thing. Give an altar call. You know why? Wasn't plugged in. And when you're not where you need to be, you know what happens? Nothing. That's what happens. Nothing. Hey, some of y'all lived it. Teaching Sunday school, leading singing, whatever the case may be. You try to get, you, maybe you just try to stand up and testify. As soon as you start, nothing. The Lord's saying, children, have you any meat? The honest answer is no. No. Absolutely nothing. Now we're fixing to do a little different. Right? Come on, Justice. Get on up. Get on the piano. I got, I got two questions that I'm going to ask you before we give an altar call. I'm done. Three points and I'm done. About two questions I want to ask you. Okay? Two questions I want to ask you, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So I want everybody to close their eyes, bow their head, because I don't want anybody feeling like anybody else is looking around. But I want to ask you these two questions. I want you to think on them, and then I'm going to pray, and justice is going to play. Question number one, who in here will be honest and say they have no relationship with the Lord, that you've never been saved? Nobody's looking around but me. 
Who in here will be honest and just say, Preacher, that's the condition I'm in. I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or drag you. I just want to pray for you. And you just want to admit it. You just raise your hand up right now and say, Preacher, I have never been saved. If I died, I'm afraid I'd go to hell. Would there be one, Preacher, that's, that's the condition I'm in. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. How about another? How about another? Preacher, I've never been saved. I have no relationship with Christ. I don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about that peace and that contentment. I'm carrying all that. That never has been took off of me. Would there be, any, would there be another one? Preacher, that's me. Okay. Here's question two. How many of you in here, and I just want you to be honest, can say I'm saved by the grace of God and I know that I am. But as far as I can tell, I had zero spiritual impact on anybody else's life this week. I don't believe, I can't think of a single person that I impacted spiritually. Would you just be honest and raise your hand and say, that's probably me right there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's probably me. That's probably me. I can't think of anybody. Thank you. I can't think of anybody I, I positively impacted spiritually. Now I want to ask you a question. Why is that? Why is that? Hands up all over the house. Preacher, I'm saved, but I, have, I cannot think of a person this week that I made a positive impact spiritually in their life. Could it be that you're like these disciples and you're out there on the boat and the reason you have nothing to show for this week is because you've got no relationship like it ought to be, you've not had remorse like you should have it, and, all, and now you've got no results. And you really, really, really should work on that today. We're going to stand our feet. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you'd touch and help. Lord, I pray, God, that uh, you'd uh, save that sinner that raised his hand. I pray, Lord, that you'd move to an altar of repentance, those Christians that raised their hand. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Folks are moving around the altar. Preacher, I, I just, I've got no results. I know that things aren't like they used to be. The relationship's not like it used to be. I've grown cold and I want to be hot. I want to get things worked out this morning on a Sunday morning with the Lord. How about you, young man? You raised your hand and said you just lost. Why don't you come be saved today? I'll tell you, it'd be the greatest thing to ever happen to you. The greatest thing to ever happen to you. All you got to do is come right down here and I'll meet with you. And we'll talk about that. If the Lord's convicted your heart, you ought to come.